Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
you haven't written or maybe recorded and put out there a ton of politically charged songs, but one of them is really moving and it's called Another Murder in New Orleans. Yeah. Talk to me about this song and where it comes from and and your co-write. That song was a, came up because Carl Gustafson, who I was recording for and with, he was in New Orleans. So many things was going on around the country that time and still going on now. And so many things was happening politically among the Black Lives Matter kind of a thing. I opened then, but there was a lot of things happening in the in the hood, we call it. And when someone got killed in a big city like Chicago, New Orleans, New York, it was just another another life law. You know, this when you talk about a small town like a Tuckle, Arkansas, I'm just using an example. When a person gets killed in this town, it's all over the news because there's a small town, it don't happen often. But when it happened in New York or New Orleans, another that's another murder. Just another, it, you look at the paper, another murder. It's just a thing to do. One day you, you have a murder, you say, well, whoo, nobody get killed today. I mean, because it's a, it's a normal thing to big towns and big cities, you know, especially among the, the ghetto-ish kind of a kind of thing. Well, just another murder, New Orleans. That's kind of what we, he was coming from with it. So I can relate to it. And being from Louisiana, too, I can really, really relate to it. You know, it's a, it's a home state and not my home city, but it's a home state. And I want to talk about those kind of things happening in my home state. And so this was a co-write. Yeah, with Kyle Gustafson. Yeah. Otherwise known as? Well, Kyle Gustafson is his name. And he have a relationship with the record company. He was a part of the record company. So he wanted me to do this. It started off just me doing a couple songs on the CD. But it wound up being me being the like the biggest part of the CD, you know. But it wasn't aimed for that. If it mean I was gonna be a guest on a couple of songs, but it wound up me he being a guest with me on the CD. So, so it just grew into a friendship and grew into a project, you know. Well, so in your lifetime, you've seen quite an evolution, which you know is not complete in the treatment of. African-American musical performers from 1947 when you started to today? I saw enough of the treatment of where I come from to let you know now today it have came a long way but not far enough. And everything have changed really remained the same. That's the sad part about it. And I try to dwell and keep uplifted by the good things. Because the good thing do overshadow the bad thing. But there's so many rough and bad points in my life that I went through as a black man, as a blues man. You know, I've been buried in the ground in 1963 where I had an accident where 10 trucks hit the back of my station wagon and threw me in the ditch. But each truck hit each truck to tear up his truck. And every 10 men in the truck got burned up. And I would throw in a ditch. And I had to dig myself in the ground, myself and a guy called Robert Plunkett. And to save our life. And when the sheriff's department, or the people who was coming there to the rescue us, 
they walked by and someone said, do you see anybody living? One guy said, no, just two inward. They already buried. Leave them so-and-so in the ground. And they left us there, man. I can't talk. They left us there. I had so many things. I, I, I can't handle it. I they had so many things. I can't handle it. How did you get out of there? Someone coming and got me eight hours later and take us to the hospital. Myself and Ike Turner had played a gig. He was in the front of me. Myself and Robert Parker were the only two living other than, and he died later. I'm the only survivor out of all of that. But you know, I don't want to stretch on those kind of things because there's so many good things that people do and say about me. But I've been through so much in my life. I was the first man who worked on, first black man who worked on Bourbon Street in Chicago. I worked in a place that said, no color allowed. I was the only black man in the club. There was a guy called Kunch who hired me. And I did my audition with four white guys. He said, this is going to be good because we can integrate this place. Well, a country boy like me, I didn't know what integrate was. I never heard integrate in 1951 and 52. I wondered what integrate was. So I called my wife, who's an educator. I said, listen, I got to find what integrate was. She said, and then she went on to tell me, and I went to the dictionary and found out what integrate was. I thought in my heart that I was a young black man, pretty good looking. I thought integrate was putting me in a, a room with a bunch of ladies and, and make good slave. They would breed me and make good slave. And I thought in my heart, oh, well, this ain't too bad. I can make a good integrator. You know, I didn't, go, I didn't know what integrator was. But when I got the job, I took four black guys with me after I did the audition with the white guy. Nine o'clock, I was supposed to go in. And at 10 minutes to nine, I'm sitting in the car. So the black guy said, let's go in, Barbara Rich. We're going to work in this new place, man. They ran the go because they never went to a place like this. When I walked in the door, Calc, the guy who hired me, said, hey, man, what a bad. That's right here. He said, oh, no, you can't bring no black guys in here. You, you gonna, man, you're going to get us killed. So he said, well, come on in and play the first set. You play the first set, but go get the white guy you did the audition. So I came in. So this white girl... It was a go-go place, four white, four white girls were dancing. They danced 15 minutes apiece. We played in a in a den and a cook down in a shelter. You could see top of our head only. Because wasn't no white, wasn't no white was in the club but white people. So the lady come to me, she said, Barbara Rush, I heard what they said about you. We're gonna integrate this place tonight. Say, I'm gonna get you on the stage. I said, How are you gonna get me on the stage? She said, we got 15 minutes apiece. I'm going to do seven or eight minutes and call you on the stage. I said, how are you going to do that? She said, because I'm going to get sick. I said, how are you going to sit? She said, fool, I'm going to get you on the stage. And I followed her lead. She worked about eight, seven, eight minutes. Then she cramped like she was cramping in the stomach. She walked up the stage. I jumped up on the stage with my guitar like I'm Chuck Berry. And the crowd went wild. So there was a big fat man in the audience. He laughed. He said, <laughs> I said, wow, I got one fan. So when I went back in the room, 
someone called on loud and said, Bobby Rush, Bobby Rush, come to my office. But I've never been in this office before. So when I walked to the office, there's a guy was sitting there in the office, looked like the same guy that was laughing at me, or laughing with me. He turned around, he said, hey, hey, hey boy, you integrate my place. I said, what you mean integrate your place? He pushed the button and the wall fell back. So that's it. Now his office in the club, now the wall's there. So he's watching me all the time. He said, hey, kid, he called Cunch, the guy who hired me. He said, come here, Cunch. This is my boy. He worked for me, okay? You, I pay him. You don't pay him. He worked for me. He said, hey, boy. I said, yes, sir. You want to make a lot of money, boy? I said, all depends on what I got to do. Say, don't you ever tell me what you want to do. You do what the hell I tell you to do. He said, hey. <laughs> you okay, boy. You got nerve to integrate my place. Anybody that got kind of nerve can make a lot of money. I didn't know he'd take a card in my pocket. And I goes home. I trying to buy me a house. I wasn't 21 years old trying to buy a house. I needed $1,200. I had about $800. So my wife told me, said, well, what about the guy you work for? He told you he'll help you out if you need some help. He said, oh, I said, oh, yeah. He left a card in my pocket. What shirt did I have on that night? She said, my plaid shirt. I washed that shirt last week. I went and got the shirt and the card was still in the pocket. So we took it out. It was all wrinkled, ironed it out. It says Caesar Capone. So I goes down to my lawyer. I said, I think I can get this money and then get this house. My lawyer tape is a black lawyer. I said, I think I can get this house now, man. This guy going to help me. He said, get out of here with that card, man. I'm not messing with no Capone. I didn't know who he was. So now I go, but he said, boy, tell me what you need, boy. I said, I'm trying to buy this house. Give me that paper, boy. So I was trying to raise this $400. So about a week later, my wife said, you got all the money? I said, I got all about $100. She said, you didn't ask the man. I said, I asked him about it, but he didn't come back to me. So I finally got the money a couple of weeks later, went down to buy this house. I walked in the door. She said, he said, my name, real name is Ellis. She said, Ellis, we've been waiting on you, man. I said, I, I was trying to get that money. He said, what money? You don't need what money? It's been signed and paid for. I said, what? She said, we've been waiting on you. The man had went down and got the house. So I went back to thank him for what he'd done. I said, uh, I want to thank you for doing what you've done. I said, I got the money. He said, uh, you don't know money, boy. But what I want is a two flat. I want my girlfriend up in your club. You take my girlfriend. He said, now, let me let you meet her. He called her in. It was my auntie, black lady. I didn't even know. We talking about Al Capone's brother. So I was protected. So when I went to record for chess, I can't talk about this too. When I went to record for chess, they would say, hey, come to a Capone boy. Let him have what he want. I didn't know that to my advantage. If you know it's three years ago now, I had the box set of the year. Google it. You know how they come in. How can you have a box set if you don't, you don't own the masters? So I was the only man walking in and out of chess 
and taking a master with me. You had a business sense back then, huh? Plus, I had, plus they thought I knew Al Capone. I didn't know nothing about it, but I used it to my advantage. Oh, they thought I was, they, 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 they come to, they come to, oh boy, 